You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue View as we are continuing our NFL draft coverage, breaking down every single position group that the Giants could possibly be selecting players at. And today's episode, a bit shocking. We're talking quarterbacks because of the current landscape, the possibility of the Giants seeking to bolster their backup position, maybe that third quarterback spot on their roster. We're going to dive into this with the help of Mark Schofield, who does a ton of quarterback content for our site at Big Blue View. Mark, thank you for taking the time to hop on with us. I'm sure right now things are very, very busy with people asking you to talk quarterbacks. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a bit of a busy time. What's going on, Chris? What's going on, Joe? Great to be with you guys. Between the quarterback draft stuff and Carson Wentz getting traded to the Colts, it's, <laughs> it's been something of a fascinating 48 hours. Let's put it that way. Oh, I, I bet. And Thankfully, we have the uh, the simpler conversations of just getting into the the day three and UDFA guys on today's show. And Mark, I wanted to open up by by asking you, why should Giants fans know about some of these later round guys, and and why should they expect the possibility of them selecting a young player to be the backup or possibly the third stringer uh, for this team going forward? Well, I mean, I I'm of the mind, Joe, and. You know, maybe I'm alone in this, but I always think the team should be looking at your entire roster, top to bottom, every offseason and looking to upgrade at every position and not just starters. I mean, you know, you should be looking at quarterback two, you should be looking at wide receiver five, like injuries happen, ineffectiveness comes in. And if you're a team, and you have a great starting quarterback, it doesn't mean you don't draft backups or potential backups. It doesn't mean you look to get the next guy, some of the you might develop. I mean, look at the New England Patriots. Over the 20 years they had Tom Brady, they drafted a quarterback, I think, every other year. And obviously at the end of Tom Brady's run, you're thinking about potentially replacing him. So you draft uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you draft uh, Jacoby Brissett, you look at a guy in the later rounds like a Danny Etlin, like – you want to do that because you want to replace him at some point. But at the same time, if you have a great quarterback and he gets hurt, you want to make sure you have a good guy behind him. And so you should always be looking at, you know, potentially drafting a quarterback every year or so, upgrading that quarterback two spot. Because if the top guy goes down, you're out of luck. And, you know, when Daniel Jones went down, Cole McCoy, yeah, he stepped in and performed well, you know, won a game or two. Uh, but you always want to be able to, count on that next player. And so if you have the opportunity to draft somebody on, say, day three, develop them, 
turn them into a spot starter, turn them into a better backup, but upgrade a quarterback too. That's something all teams should be looking to do. So even if the Giants aren't in the QB1 game, as we don't expect them to be, that doesn't foreclose the idea that they'll draft a quarterback sometime on day two, sometime on day three. Yeah, and I would even go so far as to say you could even draft one of those guys, maybe develop them and flip them into additional picks like the uh, Kevin Cobb or Nick Foles type route. Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, Patriots fans believed that Ryan Mallett was going to get you a first-round pick. Now, (laughs) that didn't quite happen. But that's the name of the game right now. And interestingly enough, I think, you know, we all know that this is a copycat league. And we all know that if something works, teams are going to follow that model. What we saw and what we're seeing right now, the idea of teams flipping first round picks for established players, you know, whether it's the Rams and trading for Matthew Stafford, whether it's the the one straight or whatever. We're starting to see this idea that teams might just start using draft capital to get established players. And so if you can have the ability to draft a quarterback, develop it to the point where teams are going to want to acquire that player. Teams are going to give you a second-round pick for a developmental quarterback that you've coached up. There's something to be said for doing that. You know, if you could turn a sixth-round pick into a second-round pick, you know, then that gives you the opportunity to package that second round pick to move up in the draft or to do something else with or to acquire a player in a position of need. And so if you could do that as an organization, if you could be forward thinking enough to develop and coach up a sixth round Ian Book into a 2024 second round pick, there's something to be said for that. That's a effective use of draft capital, you know, because when you start getting into the sixth round of the draft, you know, is a shot at wide receiver or a shot at a safety or a shot at a quarterback, you know, what really is the benefit there? But if you could turn that player, especially at a position of need, especially at the quarterback position, into a draft asset down the road, you've done something good as a franchise. Yeah, so maybe talking about those six-round picks or maybe a fifth-round pick or a seventh-round pick or fourth-round pick, just to jump around the various day three rounds, uh, who would you be looking at? You know, he, this is such a fascinating draft class, Chris, because it's, it's in a sense, it's so top-heavy. You might see four quarterbacks in the first five picks. Then after I say Mac Jones, it really starts to peter out and peter out a little quickly. Um, Kyle Trask is intriguing, Davis Mills, Jamie Newman, Kellen Mond, uh, Ian Book, Felipe Franks. But, you know, you really go from guys you can count on to be a starter in this league to lottery tickets very quickly. I mean – it's fascinating, and this is just one board. But you look at the draft network's rankings of quarterbacks, they have Mac Jones at 43 overall and Kyle Trask at 135. Now, again, this is this is one group of evaluators in their rankings, but it, you can see that gap where you might have five guys go in the first round if you include Mac Jones. You might not see somebody until the third or fourth round. Um, that's sort of the, the chasm of quarterbacks in this class. I think the names, and they're probably familiar names to you guys and your listeners, you know, Trask, Book, Mond, Ellinger, Jamie Newman, Davis Mills, all of those guys are intriguing for different reasons. Um, I'm of the mind, if I'm going to be taking that sort of day three flyer, a name that certainly intrigues me is Jamie Newman. Um, formerly of Wake Forest, transfers to Georgia, but then opts out. And the main reason is athleticism. Uh, I think when you get to this sort of point in the draft, you want to bet on 
a trump card that's been known to work in the modern NFL, and that's athleticism for him. Um, does he make mistakes? Does he make mistakes? Will he make mistakes? Absolutely. What is there, there's a reason he's a day three type of guy. He's, he's a developmental prospect. But that ability to create outside of structure, outside of the pocket, I think is something that will enable him to stick around in the league. And as we start to get into the sort of the day three development of quarterback conversation, you have to think of it from a different roster construction standpoint. You have to think of it from what can this guy do to help us now? You know, if you draft, say, a Davis Mills who has a nice arm, you know, is he going to be able to emulate, say, a Dak Prescott if you're having him run against your defense and on scout team? Is he going to be able to emulate more athletic quarterbacks? Probably not. But a guy like Jamie Newman can't. You know, and if you're thinking about roster construction and getting your defense ready to play on Sundays, you have to think about the traits that that developmental prospect, a quarterback will be able to bring to your scout team, will be able to bring to your practices. You know, and if you have to then, you know, if you draft Davis Mills, but then have to sign a UDFA to get your defense ready. Now you're talking about two players to do the job that one could. And so I think that's why when you start getting into this day three discussion, guys like book and guys like Newman, are going to be attractive because they can give you that athleticism element to get your defense ready for what you'll see on Sundays while giving you that developmental guy to coach up to get ready, who then can bring that athleticism to your own offense should he have to see the field. I think for the Giants, the more likely outcome, and I think that it's it's pretty even if they select somebody on day three, but I, I have a feeling they'll probably prioritize picking somebody up as uh, a UDFA and, and some of the names that have caught my eye and I've heard some good things about and I've actually gotten to see one of these guys Zach Thomas yeah. uh, at test uh, because I do my training there I've been um, did my pro day prep there last year so I've gotten to see him a little bit move around I think he's a an underrated uh, athlete but some other names Brady Davis I've heard some good things about from Illinois State uh, Kevin Thompson didn't play this year you could throw him into the mix possibly are there any UDFAs in your eyes that the Giants that might be on the Giants radar that would fit as a, a good uh, third stringer for the roster? Yeah, Joe, and I think one of the guys you mentioned, Zach Thomas, the App State kid, is certainly one to watch. I mean, he's worked with Tony Rossiopi, who I know, who Giants fans probably know, who you know, mm -hmm. um, who's a great quarterback mind. Um, Tony's worked with some quarterbacks before that have gotten drafted, that have gotten themselves onto rosters. Last year, Nate Stanley, who I thought is in, who I think is in a very good position with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think he moves well. He's athletic. He checks that box. I was surprised he didn't get, you know, a senior bowl invite, but I do think that he's somebody that as you get into that late day three UDFA window, he's somebody the Giants fans should certainly know and do some work on Brady White uh, from Memphis. Um, another quarterback that I thought might've gotten a senior bowl invite. If we had had a shrine game, you know, he was probably going to be on their radar as well. I certainly like him from a athleticism and accuracy standpoint. I think he does some things that, you know, will certainly help him as he looks to develop and make a transition from, you know, Memphis to the National Football League. A name that I, Felipe Franks is interesting. Um, I know he got the Senior Bowl invite and made some interesting throws. Um, I doubt, while he was down at Mobile at the Senior Bowl. But I re what I really liked about him, at least from a mental standpoint, was a willingness to attack NFL windows. I thought if you watched him at Arkansas, if you watched you know, what he did down at Mobile, there were some times when some of these quarterbacks, whether it was Ellinger, whether it was Ian Book, seemed a bit conservative at times. They, they didn't want to make a mistake. 
Franks was willing to challenge some tighter windows and throw into traffic in a sense, throw into NFL window situations. And maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe he threw what could have been an interception. But the fact that he was willing to do that, I think, impressed me because you can't play this position scared. You can't play it timid. Like if you're not going to challenge a window in practice on on Tuesday, you're certainly not going to do it in a game on Sunday or Saturday. And so I think his willingness to do that, I think, speaks well to having the mental makeup to play this position because you can't play it timid. You can't play it scared. Um you know, and I think that bodes well for him. And he certainly has an NFL arm. Um, Jim Nagy was tweeting out some clips of him making some crazy attempts while he was down at Mobile. Um, some of which ended up as near interceptions. But again, it's that willingness to take risks because, you know, again, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes because of that willingness to take risks. If you think back to that first training camp when he was their starter. You know, there are all the stories out of Kansas City where oh, he's throwing all these interceptions. He's he, he doesn't see what he's doing. He's throwing into triple coverage. He was doing that for a reason. He was doing that because Andy Reid, Eric B. Enemy, they were telling him, look, see what you can get away with. Figure it out now, because then on Sunday, you'll know what you can and can't do. And I think that's important for a quarterback. And Frank seems to check that box. Coming up, we're going to get into some specific names that we want to hear about. Uh, before we do so, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
So, Chris, let's open up now getting to some of these specific guys that have, have caught our eye. Who's the first guy that you want to talk about? Well, just looking at the Giants' history, uh, they have a thing about drafting Senior Bowl MVPs. So I got to ask about Kellen Mond. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I know exactly why you'd ask that, given that history. I think what's interesting with Mond, um, he's a very high-variance type of prospect. Like, you could see in flashes, whether it was down at the Senior Bowl or even throughout the season, throughout his career in college, moments where you're like, okay, I can see how this kid can make it in the National Football League. I can see why he'd be a fascinating prospect and my team should be, you know, intrigued by him as well. Um, very sort of, I'd say, calm and poised under pressure at times. Um you know, if he's blitzed, if uh, there's a protection breakdown, he seems to handle those moments well. He responds to pressure in the pocket from all angles extremely well. But the problem with him is one of variance. The problem with him is one of consistency. Like For all those high flashes, there are low moments. For all those good moments, there are struggles. Um, and you even saw that during the week. You know, we saw that from an interesting quarterback prospect that went through the senior bowl process before in Dak Prescott. Prescott had a bad senior bowl week. I I went into that senior bowl week not impressed with Prescott. I wasn't impressed, but then showed out in the game. Um, and that speaks to his competitive toughness. And it, it might be a similar situation with Mond where, you know, practice week has his ups and downs. His career had his ups and downs. But in the right situation, he could really develop into a high-end backup spot starter. And maybe if you hit a home run, maybe he becomes a – a starting quarterback in the National Football League. So I think there are reasons to like him, but it's that lack of true consistency that I think will hold him back and we'll see him slide to day three. So our, our listeners might be aware of this. I'm a, a pretty big Notre Dame fan. I actually cover Notre Dame on a different network. And I got to ask about Ian Book because I've watched him throughout his whole career, winning his quarterback in Notre Dame history. The, there are some Notre Dame fans and alumni who – think he's Joe Montana, which I think we can all agree here that he's not Joe Montana. But I really do believe he's going to turn into a very, very good backup quarterback. Some of the names that I've really liked for him are like a younger version of Colt McCoy or Trace McSorley's one I keep hearing. Uh, one that I've kind of used a ton is Easton Stick. Just somebody who sticks on a roster, a really smart, uh, good leadership type guy who he will keep your team on schedule. He's not going to create huge splash plays. He doesn't have a huge arm, but he can do things within your offense to keep things moving so you're not completely screwed come the event that Daniel Jones uh, is injured. So what are your thoughts on Ian Book, and do you think he could be a good fit for this team? I think so. I think, And I think, you know, Joe, a lot of the names you just mentioned there, Cole McCoy, um, Trace McSorley, I, I think those are very good comparisons for where Ian Book is and what he could bring to the table. I mean, what I talked earlier about having somebody your defense can go up against to get ready, I think he checks that box on day one because he does have that athleticism. And I do think that when you start thinking about what matters for rookie quarterbacks, athleticism is one of the biggest things to have in today's NFL because – you know, the days of the dinosaur quarterback, the days of the like Tom Brady battleship pocket quarterback are falling by the wayside. Unless you have Tom Brady's elite feel and footwork for the pocket, you're a sitting duck back there. So you have to have the ability to extend and escape with your legs. And Book has that. The ability to play 11 on 11 in the run game because of your athleticism as a quarterback matters. It's a huge bonus for NFL offenses. And Book has that. 
And again, the sort of leadership qualities that you bring to the position. This is a this is not a snap to finish position. It's a film room to finish position. Like it, it, there's so much that goes into playing the quarterback position in book, you know, from everything I've read about him, from everything I've been told about him, from everything we saw down at the senior bowl week, because he's one of those guys that got a little bit better as the week went on, which speaks to that coachability element. He checks those boxes as well. Um you know, a lot of people have said, like, you know, spot starter type. A lot of people have said, you know, on an upper end of the range, Drew Brees. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do think that it sitting here right now, would it shock me if 10 years from now he's still in the league? Absolutely not. You know, could he be Colt McCoy 2.0? Absolutely. A lot of people might say, well, we've got Colt McCoy. Why bet on the mystery <laughs> box? And Ian Book, well, because I think he has the, a, a better athletic traits to him than Colt McCoy and fits the modern game better. And so if you draft him as your QB three for this year with an eye towards eventually being that back, better backup option, eventually being an upgraded Colt McCoy plus with the potential to do some things for you. If the starter Daniel Jones goes down because of his athleticism and his athletic traits, I think there's a positive to that. There's a plus to that. So yeah, if, if they draft Ian book, you know, round six, round seven, something like that. I think it's a very good pick. I know we were going to talk about backup quarterbacks, uh, guys towards the end of the draft, maybe developmental prospects, but there's just one trend I've been seeing over the last two weeks or so that, I, that I've got to bring up, and that is Mac Jones. You know, talking about yeah. the draft network has him li- listed at 43rd on their big board. Uh, so far, I've seen three very recent mock drafts by big outlets, uh, I think one was Dane Brugler, the other, uh, obviously Todd McShay, and then I think Chad Router. All of them had him in the top 15, with usually with Washington trading up to get him, trading up to 14th to get him. So is that just recency bias? You know, he's he had that good week at the Senior Bowl, and then he was the, basically the last quarterback standing out of the college season. Or you know, are, are there things there that maybe the league sees, but – some of us on the outside just aren't seeing. Yeah, um, I, I think from media outlet perspectives, part of it is recency bias. Part of it is the senior bowl because I think evaluators in the media wanted to see him outside of the Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Najee Harris offense. Like, can he sort of be an effective quarterback when he doesn't have potentially three first round picks outside of him. And that does bring up an intro. I've got Alabama fans in my mentions saying all the time in my DMS all the time saying, why is Joe Burrow QB one in first pick overall? And he had all those weapons. Why isn't the same thing happening with Mac Jones? So uh, I'm hearing it from all angles right now. You mentioned though, does the NFL like him more? And this is a good moment to bring up the fact that people that are going to be making these decisions have mortgages to pay, have bills to pay. They are risk-averse people. They don't want to get fired. If you draft the Alabama quarterback, Heisman finalist, national champion at 19, and it goes south, it's a defendable position, right? You drafted a guy that almost won the Heisman. You drafted a guy that won the national championship. You drafted a guy that's, you know, a year-plus starter from an SEC school, a true blue-chip guy. If you trade up and draft Trey Lance and it goes south, it's it's a tougher position to defend in a sense because it's one year plus one game at an FCS school. 
And so the risk-averse nature of this process is going to see Mac Jones rise as a result. Let's put it this way. I look at Mac Jones and I see Kirk Cousins plus. I see a guy that might not win games for you, but he certainly won't lose them for you. He's that prototypical quarterback you win games with, not a guy you win games because of. And that guy tends to stick around. That guy tends to be a safe play. That guy you can structure an offense around. You can build a system around. And if you have talent at other positions, that guy might get help you get to the playoffs. And so I think that's why we're seeing Mac Jones sort of rise a bit because evaluators, GMs, scouts are going to look at him and say, you know, look, I had a round two grade on him, but it's a quarterback position. So he gets bumped up into the first round because of the, the QB bump. Um, it's a defendable pick from that perspective, from the risk-averse perspective. Um, you know, I, I think Mac Jones is probably not going past 20 in the draft with Chicago. Uh, I do think that there's a floor for him in this first round, and that's the final Mac Jones point, which is this. Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, those are all bets on ceiling. You don't know about their floor. They could be bust potential prospects. Mac Jones might not have the the ceiling that those guys have, but he has the better floor. And if you're a risk averse general manager or you know director of pro development or director of pro scouting, and you want to at least make that safe, warm, and fuzzy blanket of a quarterback pick, that's Mac Jones. And so I, I think that's why, whether it's Washington at 19 or Washington traded up, a lot of people said New England at 15. I know a couple of those mocks you mentioned, Chris had Jones going to England. I've had mocks where I've got him at 19 to Washington. I think we do see him in the first round as a result. And I think it's definitely really important to talk about Mac Jones because wherever he ends up going and the possibility that he goes before the Giants pick can really help them out. It could put them in a situation where they can get themselves a Micah Parsons or maybe a Jamar Chase because teams are so focused on getting these quarterbacks, it could really benefit them. So I'm glad we finished up with talking about that. Mark, we're going to wrap up now. Where can people find you on social media? I know you've been on this show so many times, so hopefully people are following you, but uh, <laughs> what's your uh, Twitter handle? Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. Always a blast. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark Schofield is the handle there. Uh, big review. Do stuff over there. I got a Carl Lawson video breakdown, which just got posted. Um, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, all sorts of places. But like you said, on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. All right, awesome. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Head to bigblueview.com and follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at RaptorMKII, and at BigBlueView. We'll talk to you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.